Today's episode of the Black Flag Podcast is brought to you, as always, by Solero Commerce. You know the name, you know the drill. They've been with us since the very beginning, and they got some great new technology coming through. So if you want a small business that accepts debit or credit cards, you got to check them out. Contact Evan Orvath or get in touch with one of us, and we'll get you a free second opinion on your current merchant service provider. Brad Keselowski is going to be shown the Black Flag. It's the Black Flag Podcast. Every fucking week. Fuck, I hate my fucking job. Race analysis. Yeah, we're only girls pull hair, so. Maggie forgets it. If they changed the rules and took the champion's provisional away, he wouldn't have been able to race the last two years, so. Uh... Occasional alcohol consumption. Uh, Jimmy Johnson is on pit road because I think he's the leader. And calling people on their shit. It refrains me from not beating the shit out of you right now because you ask me stupid questions. This week's Black Flag Podcast is now in session. Hey, we had some out we beat him so it's all good all right boys and girls welcome back uh to the black flag podcast as always i'm charlie sanborn at c sanborn iii across from the table for me is brad saucer at b sauce 96 together we are at black flag pod on all things social media we're on facebook we're on twitter we're on instagram more importantly we are on the patreon app where you guys can go over there uh, get some exclusive content, get some merchandise discounts, and uh, just interact with us a lot easier. Now, this is episode 99, so welcome back to the Solero Commerce Compound. Uh, we, yesterday, went over to the Riverside International Super Speed um, Way or whatever uh, and watched cars go in circles in the slush and snow, and I have never been more cold at a racetrack in my entire life than I was yesterday. And I slept all day uh, and did absolutely nothing. I don't I don't think I even left the house. I never even went on the porch today uh, after yesterday. Just kind of doing nothing all day today after that. There's nothing better than just doing nothing. Uh, I will <laughs> say, though, I, I don't know if I've... I've definitely been more cold at a racetrack because last year at the said event, same said event, but, but was... It is a snow race. Well, it so, was just... I so mean, I should have known better. Uh it was miserable. I mean, last year, it, it was like you couldn't even be outside for longer than in a couple, two, three minutes, and then you'd have to go back into the warmth of a vehicle. Uh, what made yesterday so bad was that it was snowing and or raining the whole entire time, so that doesn't help when you're you're now moist it was and just, uh, it was one of those also days, chilly. It was one of those days where it was just cold, and you were wet and cold down to your bones. Do you know what I mean? Like, you were just, it like, it was just, you just ached to be outside. Yeah. Because uh, we are so bad. For short track racing, uh, we were in the car for a total of well, too it long. Was, it was ended up being closer to fucking seven or eight hours, which should have only been six, thanks to longer, Curtis Cameron. Longer than we needed to be for sure. Didn't um, get to get dinner. That's fine. Everything's fine. But we literally we we got up at oh god thirty in the morning, head on over to the graphics coupe, and uh, hitched a ride from Steve and Jess, and we drove three hours to Groveton first thing in the morning to go watch just an enduro because that's how much we love this sport. Uh, got to hang out with some cool people. Uh, you know, hung out with uh, you know, Margaret Barker, Farron Dayette. Uh, I got to meet Jeff Saint Cyr. You know, we we had we had a good Derek time. Derek Holbrook. Yeah, Derek Holbrook. All sorts of people. Um, you know, it was it was a good time. A good time had by all, I think. And it it was one of those things where it was like literally our first opportunity to just kind of go to a racetrack, and it and it felt half ass normal. Yeah, I mean, I feel like a mask probably would have helped. Meh. Well, just, just, just face for warmth. Warmth, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't give <laughs> a fuck about the cronies. <laughs> yeah, I already had it. Can't get it again for allegedly ninety days. So uh, next ninety days is going to be reckless. 
uh, titty bars in Florida probably coming up here oh, in about two weeks. Oh, my so. God. I hope not because I don't have that much money yet. Uh, so. that, well, so. maybe. You'll get taxes back or something. But Perfect. Yeah. You know, yesterday didn't suck. Um, pretty solid run for the Lovejoy fellas. Yep. Friends of the program out there. We had a couple stickers on. I don't even know who was driving said car that Derek was scoring for, but we had a sticker on that car, and a lot of a lot of the friends had a good day at the racetrack. I know I had a good day at the racetrack. Uh, was all of the intoxicated. We showed up with like damn near 30 trellies oh, yeah. and some pink whitney i think and it was all gone there was nothing left when we got home so that's a recipe for a good day uh didn't keep us warm like like i would have would have hoped but you know it, it was i just, still have all my limbs and stuff and like i said it was just a wet cold yeah like i was just i was soaked head to toe i was fucking shattering and cold and miserable but i was just happy to be at a racetrack yeah that's that's just what i'm here for that's that's what we do um so i know that you yeah, we, we you're typically the the organized one of the two of us. You're the notes guy. Oh yeah. You're the you're the you'll throw something out there and then we'll kind of elaborate back and forth. But I have a note today. Uh Beechridge Motor Speedway. Uh, I know that we're kind of I'm kind of a homer anytime I talk about them, but uh they have finally come out with the uh new rules or whatever for the pit area that there is no longer an age restriction for anybody to get in the pits at Beechridge Motor Speedway for the 2021 season. You could literally be anyone from a newborn to 100 years old, and you can walk in through and get a pit pass, which that's been a big deal uh, for Beechridge in the past where a lot of people wouldn't be able to come and bring their families and go racing with the you know, uh, you know know everybody in their, their whole clan there. They'd have to go out in the front stretch, but literally anybody's allowed in the pit area now. And better yet, uh, the age restriction to start driving is only 14 years old now. You don't even have to have your permit anymore. Uh, which that's something that I had to abide by, you know, when I was coming up through and, you know, a lot of other, other people had to wait till you had your permit. So, uh, that's big news. Hopefully that brings some other people down, down South here to the, or Southern Maine, I should say, uh, to get, get more people at Beechridge. You know, I, again, I, I know I sound like a homer anytime I talk about them, but that's big news. Uh, hopefully that attracts some people. And I, I think that that's, uh, that's definitely moving in the right direction for sure. All good things. Probably should have happened a while ago. Probably, but uh, apparently it was just a it was a very big uh, insurance issue. Uh, I don't doubt that who, yeah. who their thing was, and I, I it makes total sense. You don't need babies getting run over, but uh, hopefully we need to keep these. Uh, well, we need to keep these places going and running. And Beecher just struggled a little bit in the the recent past, but you know I I think that uh, this is definitely moving in, moving forward in the right direction. Uh, one thing I had in my notes from yesterday's trip was uh, we were about. Uh, almost drunk and, and uh, just shouted out. Well, I think we were talking about White Claws or a second. We'll go back and bleep that out. But um, we were talking about them for some reason. And, and Jess just you know trips up from the front and just goes, no rulies when you're drinking trulies. And, uh, <laughs> I respect that. I don't know. Pretty good. That might be the title of the show. Uh, no today is when you're drinking truly big like fan that. of that uh, i don't know why that was why i'd never heard that before i mean i feel like i could have come up with that in my own brain but i'm I, i'm pretty you know well, i think i think on a scale of one to dom I'm, i think the first thing you think of though is, 11. The, is the laws and claws type deal but now I, i'm all for no rulies when you're drinking truly's I yeah like that. big fan yeah. of that yeah. yeah i've been a long proponent of you know i'm not I like to joke around that vaccine co- vaccines cause autism um and i have all my shots and i am pretty yep <laughs> so there's no rulies when you're drinking trulies. Yeah. Right. So, hey, pal, do you want to get mad about paint schemes? We had a lot I'm of paint in. schemes revealed this year. Yeah, Bubba, Bubba Wallace's DoorDash car, I believe, was the one that was released. Um, See, you had William Byron and Alex Bowman's cars. The So, yes, 
I'm, I'm all in for this conversation. I'm a big nerd when it comes to paint schemes and, uh, you know, the, my, my opinion that most people don't care about when it comes to that stuff. But that being said, the, the shade being thrown on Billy Byron's car and Bubba Wallace's car, I think, is a little unnecessary. I think that they are simple. I think that they are elegant yet refined. And it brings, especially when it comes to Billy's scheme, you know, it's it's tough enough to be Billy and and be in the situation, situation that he is driving the 24 car. Literally, he, before he had won that race at Daytona, the only person to ever win the 93 races in the number 24 car in NASCAR Cup Series history was Jeff Gordon. The GOAT. One of. <laughs> so you're Billy, and you get thrown into this ride, Okay. They throw this kid right into the Exalta number 24 looking just like Jeff Gordon from the start. That's tough. Now they have at least kind of made him his own identity in terms of what this new Exalta scheme is. It's simple. It's nice, clean lines all the way across, but you're still keeping the Rainbow Warrior type theme with DuPont, which is now Exalta. I think it's a good move. I think it's a good look. I think the car is sharp looking. I don't understand the shade being thrown at it. Could it have been done differently? Of course it can. It's a paint scheme. It's art. That's just how art works in general. But I don't hate it at all. Thoughts? Uh, you hate it? I hate it. You really hate I it? I hate it. I, don't I, hate I it think at all. out of the three that I just named, the schemes were revealed this this week. I think that is by far the worst. I think it's really? worst by a mile and a half. And I just, I'm not a fan. I mean, I, I look at it and I'm like, okay, it, it is what it is. I'm not like I'm not mad that it it looks the way it does, but well, I don't really like it. Well, I guess I guess I should I should preface this with I don't love it. Yeah, but I I just don't think it deserves the hate and clout that it's been getting all week. I think that it's I think it's I think it's good for Billy. Honestly, if I'm Billy, I want that. I want my own identity in the 24. I think that's great. It still keeps right on track with you know the color scheme. There was nothing worse than when Exalta came out. Exalta literally is the color company. They can do literally any color, made up, fake, seen, not seen yet in the entire planet. The worst thing they ever did was come out with a grayscale car with a yellow number on it. So the fact that they kind of went back to the 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 rainbow deal or the the Roy Jabiv, whatever you want to call it, type deal, I think that's good. I think it's a it's a new take on it. I think that it's I think it's a, again a step in the right direction. Um, Bubba's car. It's pretty hard to fuck up red, white, and black. Yeah, uh, it's simple. Fan. It's simple. It's clean. I like it. I don't love it, but I don't hate it either. I think in in the days of Fortune 500 companies running all of this stuff, you're not gonna have a lot of what you see on like a local short track Saturday night type deal with like, you know, like we'll take my car for example, where I have like shamrocks and shit kind of faded into the background. You're not gonna see that at the NASCAR level. You're just not. When it comes to the majority of the people seeing these. These cars and the products in which they're trying to represent, bold is better and less is more sometimes. That's just what you're going to see on TV. That's what you're going to see at these big mile, mile and a half racetracks from the grandstands all the way down to the racetrack. Bolder is better, less is more. Big fan of Bubba's car. I think yeah, I, I like it. I, I, think, just, I, think I like it. And, I don't hate it at all. Red and white are, are you know two red, colors that are undefeated. When red, white, to... and black are very hard to fuck yeah. up. Big fan. Big fan. Don't hate it at all. And Alex Bowman's car caused a lot of controversy on the internet for whatever reason. I don't know what it looks people, like, to be honest. I know what the other two look people, like. I haven't seen uh, Bowman's car People, yet. for whatever reason, didn't like it. I actually think it looks fucking sick. Um, I just... It's, yeah, it's okay. It's kind of just a... Not a lot of contrast between black and purple, but... Nope. 
No, it, I think it looks. I think it's sleek. I think, I think it looks fine. I, yeah. I don't. I don't hate it whatsoever. I think Bailey's car was the only one that I actually looked at, and I was like, man, eh, yeah, it just, just could have. It could have been done differently, better. obviously, but they yeah. all could have been right. See, the thing that uh, irks me sometimes is that. So, so Hendrick is in a little bit of a different uh, island, I guess, if you will, by themselves, because they are literally, quite literally, the last group of cars or team or whatever that still paints their cars. Joe Gibbs literally has a, a vinyl cutter printer and a, a staff that wraps race cars all day. That's what they do. That's fine. That's one way to go about it. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. But Hendrick has the ability to be a little bit more creative because you can have a human element to it in terms of what they're going to do in a paint booth. It's just, it is what it is. And it, I think that they have to do that, honestly, because if you're sponsored by a paint company, you don't want to be the guys that don't use paint. I, I, I just think that that's just a bad look in general. Um, but I, I think that, I, I think it's a, it's a good look for them to at least move away a little bit from what they had been doing. Um, but the thing that irks me is that online is, or, or the, the internet in general, as toxic and as horrible as it can be, especially when it comes to motorsports, the good stuff that motorsports doesn't use from it irks me. There are a lot of things, Instagram specifically, that people, specifically like iRacing nerds or whatever, make these concepts for cars that are wild and gorgeous and bold and perfect for what the sponsor is. And they, they just, they just don't. And they honestly usually go in the complete opposite direction of that. That is something I think that a lot of these teams, it's a tool that they can use in their benefit, especially when it comes down to, you know, a, a cup season or an Xfinity season, whatever it is costing 30, $40 million to run from Daytona to a Phoenix now, I guess, but uh, homestead before, you know, if you're trying to impress these people that are going to lay that kind of money down, use use free resources. You know, how much would it actually cost to, you know, the Trent Goodrows of the world or, you know, the Connor McDougals or whoever it may be that maybe they have a concept. Outsource that shit to the general public because then you're actually using the people that want to see this. And then they, then you don't have any clap or any you don't have any, you know, uh, you know clashback or whatever on whatever it is that you do put out there because now you're outsourcing it to literally the fans yep yeah <laughs> I, I think that we should move on to the chili bowl we I we, guess, yeah. we uh we watched that a lot of that on uh luckily discord this week uh we were able to catch it i wasn't sure if we we're gonna be able to watch any of it but i think i watched every single night except last night was hard to uh tune in uh, driving back from the middle of nowhere in north new hampshire so uh yeah, I watched on our way back to not having dinner. Yeah, right. That was still not mad, just very upset and disappointed. Oh, I wasn't mad at all. I was just fucking pissed. Yeah, yeah. Nothing worse than when you so places around here close at nine for all those who are maybe out of state. And we were our basically our ETA was probably like seven fifteen, oh, and then as on our drive home, we were following a group of people in front of us. And oh, we're just gonna call them out. Yeah. So in front of us, we were driving a Volvo, whatever it was. We had one. Two, no, we weren't driving. Let's clarify three, that four, way to five. DD. Well, you, you get it. <laughs> we had six people on the way to the racetrack. We had five on the way back. Okay, that's fine. Now, your GPS, whether it is Google Maps, Apple Maps, whatever it is that you MapQuest, whatever. I don't. I don't care. It will tell you in your exact moment in time how long it will take you to get home if you follow the instructions to a T. Not that hard. 
Literally, the road is lit up on your phone, and you just have to follow that line. Pretty, pretty stupid proof, I, I would think. Now, we thought it was a good idea to have the people in front of us. And now, when I say the people in front of us, this was a Ford Explorer towing an open trailer with an Enduro car on it that needed a forklift to get it put on the trailer with like seven people in the car. And this is something that eventually turned into a trailer that got packed so hard full of snow on the front of it and added so much tongue weight to said Ford Explorer that it was rolling smoke off of the right rear tire down the street. And then we got out at a gas station and someone, someone specifically Robbie Bodwell gets out <laughs> to try and get beer and he gets mouthy with the person and oh. doesn't end up with beer. Oh yeah. These are the people we decided to follow instead of literally the smartest thing on the planet, our phones. Yeah. Why that was a good idea, I don't know. Now the worst part was someone elected Curtis Cameron, Dave Cameron's, you know, former Wildcat champion at Beechridge Motor Speedway, his son, he was in charge of the navigation. Now apparently he'd look at his phone and then play games for forty five minutes and then look at his phone again. Now in that 45-minute span, you typically blow by like seven different fucking directions in which we literally added, and I'm going to say this, specifically 45 minutes to our trip. That 45 minutes comes into play here in a little bit, okay? So we anyway, we go to that gas station. We end up raking snow off the trailer, and then we're like, you know what? You guys just added so much to this. We're going to lead now, okay? So we end up leading from there. We get to a restaurant. That we all wanted to go to. We were all fucking starving. One from being cold all day. Two from shivering. Three, it's the end of the day. And I just I just want to eat. And I'm going to get cunty. We get to this restaurant. Now, to preface this, like Bradley said, the state of Maine, uh, per Janet Mills, who's a dumb cunt, who some, some people elected our governor, shuts everything down at 9 p.m. Everything. Literally the entire state shuts down at 9 p.m. Because you can't catch COVID at 8.59. So... We get to this restaurant. Looking back on it, I think we probably did catch COVID after 9 p.m., so maybe <laughs> she's on to something. Or was it before 9 p.m. because it was after midnight? <laughs> so anyway, we get to this restaurant. Now, typically, if you get to a restaurant you know, at 8, when they close at 9, they'll seat you, right? We got there literally at what eight oh seven. Oh, dude, and something. I, something and like I, that. I don't social like right. I, if I'm if I'm not drunk, I'm not socialing right. I walk into this place like I fucking own it. Oh, you and I both. Oh, dude, rip the door like I'd been hitting the gym. But but you're leaving out the part where we're we're driving and I'm looking at the the, the navigating phone in our vehicle. Oh yeah, and I'm like, why are we blowing by all? Of, oh, we're just following them. I'm like, you probably shouldn't because you've added a shitload of time to this trip. Yeah, it was like turn right, we're going straight. Turn right. We're still going straight. Turn left. Nope. And every still, time, we're the, still the going time straight. would either stay the same or it would add like 10 minutes. And we did that five times. Actually, this all this all boils right back to Bodwell not being able to get any beers because when he walked <laughs> into the gas station, right, none of us had masks on. I kind of forgot masks that were a thing. Yeah. And we walk in and he's checking out and the guy behind the counter said something about him not wearing a mask. And then Bodwell got mouthy because that guy didn't even have his mask pulled on. He goes, we don't need masks. We're in fucking New Hampshire. And he's like, no, you're in Maine. And he's like, we're not in fucking Maine. And then 
he's just like I, I don't know something about him not wearing a mask. And what he's like, all I it took was him mask. to just keep his mouth shut and get a gun alcohol. And then the guy's like, you know what? Fuck you. You don't need like I'm not gonna sell you this shit. And then as I turn around, fucking Dave Cameron is stealing the shovel from right next to the door <laughs> to go shovel off his trailer. Oh, I'm he like, stole oh, it. See, good. see that makes okay. Yeah. Well, no, he didn't just have a shovel with so, him. So, so while he's doing that, I, I, and Yepa, friend of the program, been on the show a couple times. I literally have an orange traffic comb that usually goes over the, the the cover to the tanks of the gas station, and I'm using it as a rake to get the snow off of said open trailer to this beat up fucking enduro car. That's the operation that we have going on right now. It's it's a shit show. It's a it's a rolling fucking circus, which is everything that we do anyway. So I loved it every second of it. So anyway. We finally get to the restaurant. Finally get to the restaurant. And Bradley and I walk in because I am now pissed because we're dumb. Nobody listens to us because why the fuck would you? And we walk into the restaurant. We're like, yeah, we have. Well, one, we're like, uh, we need a, a table for 11, which they love an hour yeah, before they yeah. have to close. Right. No. Uh, they said, and I don't blame them. Uh, we stopped taking tables 45 minutes ago. Now um, that forty five minutes where were those uh, where were those forty five minutes? Those forty five minutes were Curtis playing on his phone. Oh. And blowing right, through right. every direction yeah. that we needed to and go. And now we're on the starving and we haven't been able to eat for the last forty eight hours. You so. wanna talk about Cunty? That's when I got a little like silent. Yeah. I just I just stopped. I just I you can like I I I, I occasionally cause scenes. I'll be the first to tell you. <clears throat> I know that. There's an asterisk on that occasionally. <laughs> you can usually tell that I am pretty fucking upset when I get really quiet. Like just I that Yep. That makes two of us. <laughs> it was pretty silent in that middle seat mm-hmm. on the on the way back from, mm-hmm. from, from there to the, the graphic scoop. That's all I'm saying. Uh I, I I was some cunted. Some cunted. Yep. Like Curtis should have gotten punched in the face by like forty five people. Well, at least we had hot dogs. <laughs> I'm still mad. <laughs> Doesn't seem it at all. So that's weird. Um, yeah. So back to the chili bowl. We talked about that for about like four, four seconds. Four, yeah. Um, there was, was a whole bunch of flips. I still don't understand the format. Did right? you see so the they, official flip count? It was 69. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> did they did they flip any more over after that, or was that the actual? That was official? the actual oh, official okay. flip count. 69. <laughs> Love that. Nice. Um, yeah. So I'm not quite sure. The how the scoring or anything works for anything ever when it comes to this event, right? Have you so ever we, really? So we've had it explained like seven times this this week on Discord, and I I still don't understand. Like two people make it from here, four people make it then, and then they go into like a fucking J Main and fucking. Have you ever chili bowled before? Really before this? No, I watched Saturday weekend. last year, and that's all I've ever chili bowled. Okay, so no idea. Nope. So I'm just watching this, and I know that the top two transfer to whatever, and then the top four transfer sometimes to whatever, and then when they flip, it's cool and you usually pretty violent and here we are yeah yeah so drunkenly on the way up to grovetona i was asked to you know be in a chili bowl race pool right and i i the scoring didn't make any sense to me i was already kind of seeing double as is so i just fired over 20 bucks and then i was told that i had christopher bell and i was like that uh, that's gonna win me some money that was right? cool until about five ago oh Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So not so the way the scoring works somehow is that Chris, Chris Bell won like the fucking Q main or something, triple K uh, main something or like that. Yeah. And oh, so yeah, I it's not I, triple K. Oh my god. Uh, uh, tri- okay. uh, that's but, should I put the shovel down? <laughs> that's not what I meant. <laughs> the shovel. The triple Q main. Dave there we stole go. from fucking yeah, mobile. Uh, the yeah, whatever he won, and I, somehow I was profiting already. It was like a twenty eight dollar payout or something. I'm, I'm pumped. 
And uh, then, so yeah, coming into the, the last race, I get paid $150 and I have lost so, <laughs> so many bets over the last two weekends on just literally everything. Like every football game, I had the Browns to cover today, but I also, you know, love to try to make more money. So I parlayed the fucking over at 54 and I don't think they even scored goddamn 45. So um, it is what it is. I am now homeless and hungry because of Curtis Cameron. It is what it is. Um, but yeah, so basically, what a $150. I'm watching this race. Chris Rubel's running the top. Kyle Larson fucked up like four or five times, and Chris Rubel was catching him. And, and I, Chris Rubel was the fastest car probably there all week. I don't think he raced a race until Friday, Saturday, I guess, that where he wasn't at least a half a track ahead. And they're usually 10, 15, whatever lap races. So uh, yeah, he was fast. And catching Kyle Larson probably would have won the damn thing. Just dug into the ground a little bit too much i can spun around flipped over barrel rolled about like six, six or six times 12 yeah. times or something and you know that was kind of he it hit, for me and he me. bit so hard oh, yeah like like he was ripping the cushion like you like read you about. read about like the with the best of them you know larson was he hit pretty fucking hard sometimes on that berm and he'd get fucked up and squirrely or whatever and kind of fall back but he knew where he was on the racetrack he knew exactly what to do in the next corner you know kyle larson is just you know among the best when it comes to reading that situation especially on dirt tracks uh and bell was coming i mean bell like you said you know he had something set up to kind of maintain at the beginning of the race but then knew once the berm was set up he was he was going to be fine and he started ripping that top side and he knew that it was coming down to the the last little wire there and he fucking he just slapped it right off the cushion and that thing hooked so fucking hard like it, it just bit the right rear he corrected just barely and that thing i mean they, they run such low air pressures on the left side those cars are so low so bottom heavy to begin with that that once that thing went right oh he was done and that thing flipped so fucking hard i was like i like i was watching it like on my phone uh via the all streaming services or whatever and that it was like violent i was like that there's no way that that didn't at least catch his attention yeah yeah uh another violent wreck actually that anthony esper guy he is my weapon of the week uh hilarious just yep. i think that's his last name probably fucked it up we fuck up names here all the time uh this guy i wish i had the tweet pulled up because he is a nuclear hazard here actually i might as i should be able to find it here this fucking this this guy i just um I can't find it. All right. So this guy for, you know, whatever, I guess. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Introducing Anthony Esberg from Kelseyville, California. We met him at Lenny's on Wednesday, and he told us that up until a month ago, he had never even heard of the Chili Bowl, um, never heard of World of Outlaws or Kyle Larson, and he had never oh, raced on God, dirt. This fucking kid. He starts outside row one in heat eight. <laughs> Shouldn't even be. <clears throat> and then what happened? He tried he to kill himself. Chalk one up. It. As a chalk that up as a win for iRacing because that <laughs> looks like an iRacing crash for sure. I mean, I don't know where he thought the the front stretch was, but it wasn't. Um, he tried he, to end up in row four coming off the corner. He also and just, hadn't raced in like two years. Right? Yeah, and he raced an asphalt mod for like a year, and he had only raced go karts since. But how, okay, so this is why he's my weapon of the week. Good for him. Went to the Chili Bowl, raced the Chili Bowl, fucking. Kind of, kind of yeah. participated <laughs> in the Chili Bowl, did some acrobats. He did more laps around uh, the Tulsa Convention Center than we did. Oh, a hundred percent. He's also now somewhat of a gymnast. Um, <laughs> did a couple, two, three flips. Didn't really stick the landing all that well. Probably has a neck injury. T two, T one, fucking vertebrae fracture is what it is. But this, like, why he's my weapon of the week? Because how have you never heard of the Chili Bowl? 
how have you never heard of World of Outlaws? And how the hell have you never heard of Kyle Larson? Especially if you like are a part of the racing community. Yes. Or just I get it on if, social media. I get ever. it if you're somebody who just doesn't do race cars. If you just don't race car, I get all of those things. Yep. But if you've like even like been at a racetrack one time in your life, you've probably heard of these things. Or like or people even watch the news at all in the last year for just knowing who Kyle Larson is. Yeah. Are we, you didn't like walk by a TV one time or just, or just like scroll through Facebook once or like literally anything. Cause he did kind of a big whoopsie last year and that that, that was big news. Oh, they must not have covered it. Yeah. This guy had not heard of it. So wild or him and just, yeah, I don't, has he heard of COVID? (laughs) (laughs) Wait until he finds out what surprise. COVID is. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, I don't know. That guy, weapon of the week for sure. doesn't really make much sense to me. Chili Bowl seemed like a wild event. It would some, it's definitely a bucket list item. I, I would love to go to that. But this year, m- the mask policy seemed to be very strict. They even had the girls on the back of the truck that were half naked with a sign that says mask above your nose and your mouth. And so people probably obliged or however that word actually is supposed to be said. We, we've talked a few times about how COVID has presented a lot of good opportunities for us to do things that we have never done before. But transverse to that there are also a lot of things that i don't want to do yet while COVID is a thing that being said it is something like the chili bowl that i wouldn't want to do if there's only a handful of people there you know 90 percent of the chili bowl is that the place is fucking packed and you're there to just do race cars for a week uh that's part of the atmosphere that's part of what makes the chili bowl so great i'm not taking anything away from this year's chili bowl at all uh it's just something that if i'm going to do it i want to do it right and if i have to wait a year or two that's fine so how do you feel about going to speed weeks? Limited capacity and shit. I think that that's... Well, I think that New Smyrna will be the same and Volusia will be the same and I think the, Bubble will be the same. The NASCAR deal, I don't know. It's, it's obviously going to take away from it a little bit. I think it has all year, obviously, or else that or all last year, I should say, or else we wouldn't have had the weird, strange, fucking no crowd situation that we had. I think that if we take racing out of the mix in general, NASCAR specifically, whatever, just because it is televised, if we're going strictly televised professional sports, where it can be seen the most, and maybe, again, Homer and me, hockey you know, or, or even basketball, whatever it is, the, the crowd plays so much into the general vibe of what's going on, but also the players on the on the field or the court or the 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 rink or whatever they feed off of that energy so so much and it might be different while you're racing obviously because you can't really hear it so much unless you're at like a bristol or something like that while you're in the car but it 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 adds to the general vibe and the whole scene of what you're doing you know bristol motor speedway is very different when you can walk in for the bristol night race and the place is fucking packed as opposed to the quote unquote all-star race that we had last year with literally nobody there or the, the, however many people were there. seems pretty packed. It's just a different vibe. It's totally different in general. Uh, and I think that it sucks. Necessary, unnecessary, whoever you want to talk to about it, it is what it is. Uh, but it's just one of those things that like, if, if I want to do it, I want to do it right. I think that, I think that the Bristol night race at limited capacity is about how much you have, how many fans you have at any normal other race. So, I mean, when I was there for the night race, two years ago, three years ago, whatever it was. I mean, it wasn't wall-to-wall people, but there were enough people there where if something happened, you heard it from across the fucking, you know, it's basically an arena. Yeah. Uh, you heard it all the way across from it. Uh, and it's 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 a 
one of those things that like if you're at a place a mass gathering i hate to use that word just because it's been so overplayed again if you've walked by a tv in the last year but a mass gathering of any sort COVID? never heard of her <laughs> yeah me either she hot <sighs> fucking or good makes be. you hot i don't know i don't know how this works um it's it's one of those things that you have to play off of that it's just that's what makes some of this stuff so great like what's the super bowl if nobody's there do you know what i mean like it's yeah. just wait what it, do you mean you you mean the mp3 file of fucking crowd noise doesn't get your juices flowing no it doesn't do anything for no me. weird it just does nothing for me and even watching it on tv it's just it's weird it's not like the 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 game or the the race itself in general is different but it's just it's weird it's a different vibe and it's just it's not it take oh god oh god liquor drinks are doing the bear pups for me um it's it just takes away from part of what makes you love it fucking could be uh yeah. i think that the best thing about the speed weeks deal limited capacity and shit is that it, well saturday is See, usually pretty packed for speed weeks sunday is usually obviously it's sellout daytona is going to be different though because you're still going to have even at limited capacity there's going to be enough people there where there's still it's going to make a difference but you're not on top of two hundred thousand people yeah you're going to end up i think it's going to be neat because they're they have people spaced out already and then you can kind of just be like oh hey i know this group of people that are here why don't you just come sit with us because now we're fucking all spread out and there's tons of room. I guess what I'm saying is that like if if there's an opportunity to do it at least once at a packed house, do it. Other than that, if you're more comfortable with less people or whatever, that's fine. Or if you've already done it a zillion times, that's fine. It's probably an advantage at this point because you, you don't have to deal with people. Um, but I, I just I always think that if there's a way to do something right, do it if you can. Uh, big big news this week that Derek Griffith's going to be running the 55 for Venturini at Daytona in Kansas. Starting out the year, where we'll be at Daytona. Um, so news. that Saturday is going to be an event. Um, so we have a lot of friends of the program that are actually going to be running that day. Obviously, it's the day of the Xfinity race. So we got our pals Noah Gregson and Bailey Curry running. Yep. Um, and then we have Derek Griffith and Andy Jays running an ARCA car as well down there. So Andy Jankowiak. Yeah. Two-time Gambler Classic uh, fucking winner or whatever from atlantic city does all sorts of open wheel things across the northeast very pretty not the worst at what he does um start your hydrating because that saturday is going to be reckless i mean we're going to have to we'll we'll be pretty high up there at daytona hopefully we don't fall off Um, i hope they have elevators Probably not. Oh, no, because I know Bristol has the elevator. I mean, they, they, in the stands they probably the do, top, but I don't know how many that they have spread around there. Oof. Shit, I just I I don't cardio. Walk in with a limp or something. You probably need to like have a badge. I, can I just there. take like the handicap pass from like a oh. car and just wear it as a necklace? Does that work? Oh, that would be kind of neat style. Yeah, you should try that. Yeah. actually, yeah, <laughs> probably would draw zero attention. To no, yeah. God, I mean, there's there's one thing I know about you. It's dra- you don't like drawing attention to yourself. No, I've I've never once done that. Even yeah, even three times. No, so that that's gonna be quite the day, and we'll have we'll be up there. You know, probably just drunk enough to give Derek the little friggin' go and you oh, know, give, give him the little, little scoop, couple scoot extra across tents, the front stretch there. Couple yeah. extra tents from row four hundred and thirty three of Daytona International Super Raceplex. Do we need binoculars? <laughs> binoculars. I think if we looked into binoculars at our current alcohol content level, by the time I'll we remember, we have yeah, yeah, binoculars. <laughs> we'll probably just throw up. <laughs> That's Ooh, maybe answer. a little blurry or something. Yeah, forget that there's an adjuster. Yeah, fuck them. I Whatever. haven't binoculars since I was like eight. So oh, let's just get a fucking telescope, pal. What was the last time you binoculated? 
I can't even remember what I would have been using it for. I would have been probably hunting in the woods is the only time I would ever have used binoculars one time ever. I, I, I've never really done hunting. Can't so. imagine. I, what do people binoculars. use fucking binoculars for? I don't know. Like, I, I get the... It, fa- I maybe, get the, like, an ocean-type deal. You're looking at a boat just or something like on the sightseeing. horizon. Just, like, know. someone's drowning. You see a little flail. And see, you're like, that oh, doesn't make sense to me because if you're sightseeing... Give me my monocle. If, if you're sightseeing, why would you be so far away where you need binoculars? Just go to the site in which you want to see. Or Google it. I'm sure you could see it even better. Yeah, yeah. It's not... I mean, it's... Maybe I'm thinking about this wrong. I don't know. No, I mean it's not like we're we're out like you know perusing the ocean trying to discover new places. No, I, I, we live so close to it. I think that we take it for granted sometimes. But like, I don't need to go just sit on the beach with binoculars and and do binocular watching, whale watching and shit. Yeah, but I, if I want to watch whales, I'm going to go on a boat and do do whale watching somewhere, and then not have to have the binoculars. If I want to see a fucking whale, I'm going to go to the goddamn aquarium. Actually, uh, speaking of aquariums, I actually had this in my notes. If I want to see a whale. A... I'm just going to go to the mall. <laughs> <laughs> Barbies. Um, so I have a question. I have an answer. Uh, food court, mall. Yeah, Ugh. whale watching. Yikes. God. Strange smells coming from there. Um, I saw a thing on the news because oh. I've actually seen the news, you know, recently, unlike Anthony Esberg or Essen, whatever the f- I don't care. Um, a gorilla tested positive at a zoo for the cronies. How does a gorilla tell someone about their symptoms? Yes, did, did the gorilla have sniffles? Yeah, like Rufus, get over here. Yeah, stiff, are we? Are we just? Are we just arbitrarily nostril. fucking testing Harambe there for fucking oh, uh, R. R. fever? R.I.P. Moment of silence for Harambe. Thank you. But like for real, are we? <laughs> are we just thermometering fucking the assholes and monkeys at every zoo? Or what, what are we doing what, here? Uh, Awful fucking parents to have your kids fall into a goddamn gorilla exhibit. Oh, we're doing the Harambe thing now. God, parents should be the euthanized. kid, the, or the, the 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 parent honestly should have been shot, not the euthanized. Fucking, not, yeah, yeah, not just... the gorilla. The gorilla is an is a wild animal, right? It, it did what it, it was prote- It was actually trying to protect the kid for whatever because it didn't know what was going on. Yeah, and then you know, might have ragdolled it a little <laughs> bit, but it would have for the its actual monkey kid. Yeah, I was just playing rough, dude. Kid. It was well, just. Like it wasn't trying to hurt the kid. No. And if you're if you're dumb enough to have your kid fucking jump into the the gorilla thing, maybe you shouldn't have a kid. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Shoot the parent, not the gorilla. That's my take on it. Yeah, I'm very anti killing gorillas. Yeah, like it's an anti gorilla killing podcast. <laughs> Is that a t-shirt? Fucking <laughs> probably. Anti gorilla killing podcast. <laughs> just BFP. <laughs> Fucking could be. The gorilla has to be wearing the BFP shirt, though. Oh, I mean, I don't know why it wouldn't be. 100%. I mean, it, the gorilla has to support that. Yeah. I mean, we're trying to get gorillas on our side. We're we're big gorilla I guys. wouldn't really fuck with a gorilla, I no, don't think. No, I don't. Yeah. See, I, I, see, monkeys used to be cute to me, too. And then I used, I listened to Joe Rogan once while I was a little uh, nuked up, potentially. Yep. Um, Joe Rogan and I both. And he was talking about friend how... Friend. Yeah, <laughs> Joe yeah. Rogan. Me and Joe, we go way back. <laughs> Joseph. Yeah. We do fucking jujitsu and, and mushrooms together. Yeah. Um Yeah, so monkeys apparently are like vicious, wicked. Yeah. And yeah, they like, like if you like chimpanzees will rip your face off. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. If yeah. they're if they're hungry, they're literally just gonna kill you. Yeah. Like so and that's fine. I get that. Because that's how I felt when Curtis took us fucking four hours away from the, the restaurant. Oh my god, did you just compare Curtis to a I don't know, not a gorilla. Have you Never met mind. Curtis? Yeah, but no, I just I feel I don't know. I just I'm a 
I'm kind of I'm almost an anti monkey guy, but like you gorillas just don't, are kind of the you same just don't thing. Monkey at all? Well, no, I just like do you they, monkey around. Well, or they you just, you just don't monkey. In no, general? no, because there was that one thing about like monkeys jumping on the bed and whatever when I was a kid. So I've just never been a big monkey guy. Yeah, I'm a, what? <clears throat> I don't know. There's some fucking thing that it used to be. T- it was. I don't know what Monkey's I'm talking about. Jumping on your bed? No, the, yeah, there was a monkey on my bed one time, and I, I've never been a big fan ever there since. There's a monkey on your bed. Uh, yeah, it was Did actually you, like, a shit the bed. Is that what they meant? Or, oh my god, no! I don't know. What are you? Could <laughs> <Did> you imagine <laughs> shitting the bed? Every time I hear that phrase, ah, they shit the bed. I always think like, who was the first? Like I like bed shitter. I'm not gonna lie. When I was younger, little tiny baby, I, I pissed myself in the bed. That's well, what yeah. every little baby does, right? Yeah, you have a dream. You stumble once... into a urinal. You're not at the urinal. You no, piss I said all when over I was yourself. A, a kid. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> oh we're not talking about <laughs> yesterday. All right, <laughs> never mind. You what were you? Yeah. No. So back in 1996, what happened to you? But every time, every shut up. Every time I've heard the term "shit the bed," I have, <laughs> I've always had to think back. I'm like, you know what, I. I never did that. Fellas. I've never actually defecated in the place in which I sleep. Fellas, we're leaving bed defecation in 2020. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like I've had a, I've had a, I've had a wet poop occasionally. In bed? (laughs) (laughs) Not in bed. No. Okay. I was going to say, Christ, were you the one that came up with the shit the bed thing? No, that's what I'm saying is like. You, you you have a wet fart in public every once in a while. And you're like, you know what? I gotta go do a maintenance wipe. Yeah, that happens to the best of us, right? Especially after a day of drinking, you're hungover. Yeah, you're trying to eat Panda Express at the mall at Foxwoods. N- nothing specific <laughs> though. <laughs> you're, just, you're just asleep, taking a you know. Right. You just scuba scuba fucking mask for your rice because you're right. face down in the rice. Yeah, it happens. You know, it happens <laughs> to the the best of us. But what I'm saying is, that I've never literally laid down in bed, pulled the covers over my face, and you just decided even in a dream which a lot of time is when you piss the bed decided you know what i'm just gonna release my bowels right now <laughs> it's like when we we're talking about when well like, i feel like, like you don't a, you don't just you don't walk up to the urinate urination station in your dream and be like you know what's a good idea uh, pissing in bed no you think you're at the urinal has that happened to you that was oddly specific yeah uh, Thursday or Friday, yeah. You pissed the bed <laughs> on Thursday? No. Are you lying to me? No, I no. That it's just like something. Bradley that, Mallory Saucer. No, I didn't <laughs> piss the bed on Thursday. So you shit the bed? No. Oh, okay. Well, that's better. Not Thursday. It's Friday. But I don't uh, know. No. I've even thrown up in bed. Oh my god, no, no. Like because I throwing up, you usually have like a there's a warning. I mean, it would suck to be like you just I don't know drunk in a dream. Well, usually I am drunk in a dream because I'm just drunk. Usually and I'm, I'm drunk dreaming because I am drunk. Yeah, yeah exactly. And your mind kind of goes wild and stuff. But no, uh, it would be wild to just like walk up to, <laughs> you know, walk up to the the uh, the, sh- the shitter, if you will, in your dream, and then just <laughs> wake <laughs> up to you projectile vomiting, <laughs> all like up in the air. Especially if somebody's in there with you. That's just a problem <laughs> at that point. Now. Now there's an angry person you have to deal with. You still feel sick. You've thrown up. Now you're hungry because you've thrown up. It's a whole thing. I'm actually very confused and or concerned and or I have another question. Um, so, you, so <laughs> what do you got? Though? There's nothing more. I don't really watch anything on on Netflix. But when I used to, uh, I was always fascinated because like one of the oh, it was always a top result. It was like the next like there was a serial killer documentary for you. Yeah, do- documentary of you know this that, this guy and another guy fucking whatever. And it was always like. You usually, when you're a kid, you're you're mean to animals. It starts there, and then usually they're like still seventeen and they're pissing the bed, and then they kill people. And, and then you're they like, wear "Excuse baggy me, black pants." Yeah, to, to school. Yeah, yeah. 
and they're like making bombs in their room and stuff. Yeah, they, and like, the parents they, are just like, Jimmy, dinner. And they like, mom. They like individually pluck out their eyebrows in front of a mirror, and then. Oh my god! Wait, what? What'd you say? <laughs> what documentary <laughs> is that? <laughs> uh, I just work here. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so we gotta get, we got some patrons. That, patrons, uh, yeah. We, last we, week we so we forgot that we forgot some last time, right? Yeah, I'm just gonna read back to like the last handful. Uh, Michael Gervais, Kyle Harville, Nicole Cotton, Kylie Ryan, Zach Barber, Tyler Cox, Will Sweat, T Cox, Farron Dayette, and our pal Any Racing 207 are the last ones that are showing on here. So yeah, I don't know. We, we forgot so, last week, and so if you're also looking for a shout out, head on over to the Patreon app. Uh, sign yeah, we got to do another show here. Get some stuff. It's been like ten days. Yeah, I'm doing another show at some point this so, week. We got to we got to record episode 100 before we leave because we are actually going to North Carolina, pen, pending us catching COVID again. In Can the we next talk day about the fact that we are actually made it to 100 episodes? Yeah, yeah. Doesn't make any sense. No, at no, all. No, that uh, literally no. the. The way that this started and, yeah. you know, the, the things that we've gotten to do because of this show, wild to me. We're going on two years, or mm-hmm. over two years now, I guess, but uh, just doesn't make any sense to me at all. Two, or the fact that people even want to listen to this. The, the, the two-year anniversary of this show is at some point this week. Don't know the day. And it's not Don't. exactly 54 really? or 104 or whatever it is because we skipped, like, a handful in, between, in 100 episodes here, so... Um, oh yeah, well we've actually ha- definitely had over fifty four because all those other shows that we do midweek are well, ninety seven and a half official and fucking, whatever. Yeah, you get it. Yeah, you get it. Episode one hundred unofficially next week. There's an asterisk. A- but right ast- now we're at ninety nine, right? So that's who is that? That's Jake Zelmer, Benny Bellinger, correct? Carl Edwards, yeah. Uh, Ward Burton wasn't he Burton. number nine ninety nine or was that Jeff? Twenty two. Okay, Jeff Burton. Okay, one of the burns. Uh, the X side car, whatever. I don't. Ben Ashline. Yeah. Uh, ninety nine. Was Ward Burton only number twenty two, like ever? No, he was like the zero. He was just for a second. He was then. the that was right as I was getting into NASCAR, and I just I remember the cat car, and I don't remember anything else. Yeah. That was like 99. one year. Too. <laughs> Bubba Wallace won the ninety nine truck, at like Texas that one time. Could have. I didn't know that. Wasn't it ninety nine? That one time he like jumped in a truck for the first time in a couple of years in one. Bubba Wallace, possibly truck. I'm just trying to think, ninety nine. Oh, Ben Tinker. Ben Tinker likes a ninety nine from time to time. When he was in the Sports Series car. Apparently, Bubba Wallace. Yep. Yep. Ninety nine. The Maestros. Maestros. Dick Ma- Trickle was a ninety nine, wasn't he? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Who else is nice? People yell at us about this every time. Yeah. Never fails. Yeah. You said Jake Zelmer, right? Yeah. Hmm. It was the first one. Came to mind. Our pal Jake. We'll, we'll be seeing him hopefully at some point in July. Slinger Nationals. I want to go to Slinger so bad. I don't know. I'm out. Yep. Ah. There's a 99 in the fucking Xfinity series currently, but I, I don't know who it is. Can't be anybody important. Um... 99 NASCAR <laughs> Xfinity. We didn't even talk about our guest. We have a guest on the show. No, not yet. Well, kind of. You mentioned him. Oh, yeah. Front of the program. Uh, Xfinity. Oh, fuck. <laughs> NASCAR Xfinity number 99. This is good. Oh. <laughs> <coughs> well, 
Jesse Little, apparently. But it's a BJ McLeod Motorsports car. Oh, BJ so. McLeod. Yeah, but I don't know. If, I don't know if BJ drives that car. <clears throat> I don't know. All right, that was fun. So we're we gonna talk about our guest now. Yeah, probably. All right, so. Uh, this oh. has been the intro. We had a hell of a time at Riverside. Thank you for everybody who goes there. Oh. Um, thank you to Riverside for putting that entire show on to begin with. Uh, I think it's something that's great. I think something that hurts Riverside in general is its general location. So the fact that they do those shows to get people there, I think it's great. I think they need to continue doing that. Um, I think all these tracks need to know their market, and I think that that's super helpful. Uh, that being said, uh, during our, our little COVID quest for content there last last week or week before, whatever it was, uh, when we could not leave the house for 10 days and we tried to actually behave ourselves, we got to sit down with someone with a pretty interesting story. He's out of Texas. He's a guy that uh, races damn near anything he can get his hands on. He's in the NASCAR um, Camping World Truck Series. He's in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. He's even in the NASCAR Cup Series. And a lot of the fucking time, he does all three in the same weekend whenever he can. Uh this is a guy that we have hinted at trying to get a hold of for the last probably fucking year now. I always uh, kept getting a hold of him. Anyway, we're yeah. just technologically slow, uh, not advanced. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is Bailey Curry. Uh, I think it's at Billy Curry on all things social media. Uh, but this is a guy that it literally started with a tweet that I had sent out because a year or two ago he had raced in literally every single NASCAR race in the top three series up until week like five. And it was like him and Kyle Busch had run the most races. And I had just tweeted out, who the fuck is Bailey Curry? And he liked it. And then he answered my message. Um, So this is someone who we got to sit down. Uh, It's a really, really neat story. Uh, This is a kid who actually fights to be to the racetrack every week, just at a much grander level than the rest of us folk here that do the weekly stuff. So um, we got it recorded already. It's all queued up, ready to go. So just kind of sit back, relax. Enjoy the rest of your Monday and uh, listen to the Bailey Curry story. All right, boys and girls. So as we just talked about, uh, coming into the show right now via another Zoom call on our uh, our COVID quest here to get some content out, uh, we got somebody here originally from Driftwood, Texas. Uh, this is a guy who uh, has raced at all top three series of motorsports for, for NASCAR. Uh, someone who very recently signed a contract with Mike Harmon Racing. So. Uh, that being said, we're just going to dive right into it. Uh, uh, this is at Bailey Curry on all things social media, or as we're just going to call you Bailey Curry, I guess, man. So tell us the story. Of, I mean, that's that's quite the jump to go from you know Texas to to driving at the the top top echelon of racing here. So tell us how you started, man. How does Bailey Curry end up with a steering wheel in his hand? I mean, well, basically, it's like a lot of kids, uh, my dad raced when I was young. And uh, ever since I saw him racing, I, I had to get into it. So my dad raced around Texas, uh, like limited late model street stocks, things like that. And uh, the way I actually started driving was I had a friend in, I think it was my second grade class. His dad raced too. And then he got a go-kart and uh, me and my dad went out there with him one time. I made some laps in and it was pretty much on from there. Uh, I think we had go-kart the next week started racing carts around Texas, Oklahoma, stuff like that. Um, I feel like we progressed pretty fast, uh, started winning races pretty quickly. And just, I mean, from there, we just moved on up the ladder, man. I mean, from go-karts to bandoleros, I raced those all over the country to legends cars and raced those really all over the country from East coast to West coast from, as we raced from California to up in New York, some places. So, did that for about four years, traveled around, did that a lot. Um, then uh, 
you know, getting to a point where I was, hey, we got to move up to something and did modifies around Texas just because, you know, it seemed like running late models back then and trying to race in North Carolina and be up uh, in the mix of it was just getting really, really expensive, especially being from Texas. So we kind of just moved back, raced uh, around Texas, kind of just, you know, being a hometown hero, I guess, for a while. Uh, started traveling a little bit more once I got in the late models uh, down in Pensacola, oh, Alabama, Florida, that area. And did that for a few years, started going to Texas State and was kind of, honestly, my race career was kind of fizzling out. Uh, I was ready to go to school and just kind of finish that off and do that. And we're really, I was about to hang it up there for a little bit. And I just got a call one day. Um, guy said, hey, I think there's an opportunity for you to come race in NASCAR. And it was a friend of mine that I raced Legends cars with. And he had uh, known the crew chief of Rick Ware Racing. And he's going to try to get me in the cup car over there. And, you know, I did that for a long time and I, I worked over there. I started working over there and, or not really working, volunteering more like a, uh, as a road crew guy on the weekends, 2017. And Rick kind of got to know me and kind of started to like me a little bit. And he helped me get my first truck ride there in uh, October, 2017 there at Martinsville. And uh, just from there, it's kind of snowballed. I mean, I ran about three races that year. Got to run a bunch more races the next year at Cobb Motorsports. Ran a handful of Xfinity races with BJ McLeod and uh, JP Motorsports. And then from the, I think the next year was the year I got my first cup start in 2019 and did a bunch of racing with Mike Harmon. Um, you know, even start park stuff, just whatever I could do to get my foot in the door, be at the racetrack. So did that and then kind of Mike took a liking to me and I ran a bunch last year with him and it pretty much brings us to now full-time this year. So <clears throat> you've definitely covered the bases there. I mean, how old were you when you first started that go-kart deal, man? Uh, seven. I was seven. Seven. You're, you're just recently, relatively recently turned 24, right? So mm -hmm. you've been at it quite a while. You've been all over the country. So, um, you know, that being said, man, you, you, you've, you've touched on it a little bit. You, you, you're doing a lot of start and park type stuff, but I think what a lot of people don't realize is that we've kind of we've kind of bounced back and forth a little bit in, in conversating. I think this all started a, a while back where you actually was it a year or two ago where you had run like every single race between Cup, Xfinity and Trucks all the way up until like week six or seven, which was wild. Uh, you, had, you had quite a bit of starts and somebody had tweeted out, you know, Bailey Curry's got all these starts, you know, this this far into the season already. And I think I had tweeted out, you know, who, who the hell is Bailey Curry? You would, yeah. you would like that. And I was like, I respect that move. I, you know, that's, that's something that makes me want to go get a Bailey Curry t-shirt. So, you know, we've kind of watched you a little bit. I mean, it, it's, it's definitely a different deal being in the situation that you're in doing, you know, starting park type stuff and um, you know, being on lower budget teams. So what's, what's the expectation like going to the racetrack? I mean, obviously it's going to be different driving for a, a Mike, the Mike Harbins of the world, as opposed to, you know, the Joe Gibbs and the Rick Hendricks. So, so what's your week like getting ready to go to the racetrack? I mean, I, I can imagine it's a smaller operation. You know, what's that like getting to the racetrack? Because I know you do a lot of it on your own. And, you know, what are the expectations once you're actually there? I mean, the week is pretty much I, uh, I go to the shop. I get there when the guys get there in the morning. I work all day with those guys. I, uh, I pretty much I help out with everything. I do interior stuff, setup stuff. I try to do some fab. I'm not the best at it, but I can – I could put two things together. And as far as expectations, I'd say they really have increased um, over the last year with Mike. You know, 
last year, you know, I was really hoping if we can get, you know, top 25 and top 20s, I was really, really happy with that. And as the year went, we got a lot better and better and better where we were running like consistently in the top 15, it felt like. And the only thing that was taking us out of that was maybe a mechanical failure or something like that. And I think going into this year, I have those same expectations, trying to run top 15, um, try to break in the top 10 if I can. And, uh, you know, race for points this year, I'd like to, I mean, if we can somehow sneak our way in the playoffs, I feel like that'd be huge. I think that's a possibility. You know, I didn't really, I didn't work over there last year. I worked with Rick Ware. I worked with Nice Motorsports and those guys. And I feel like I've learned a lot working with them. And I think I can bring some of that over to Mike Harmon's as well and try to help with the, uh, just the consistency of the team. So what's it like when you show up to the racetrack? So I, I think that you, you've raced all three series in one weekend, right? before mm -hmm. so what's what's it like showing up on friday running the truck and having you know all these teams where the expectations are a certain position is it like you show up hoping to hit a certain position or kind of just see where you are in practice and compared to the other guys around that that budget level i mean i, I mean it's, i really feel like you know i i go to the racetrack like anybody else i want to do as good as i can so i mean whether we're show up to the racetrack and uh, by the grace of God, we got the fast truck there or car there or whatever. But um, I just like uh, it's like everybody else. I go out there and try to do the best I can, try to get the most I can out of the car or truck. And um, as far as racing all three, I feel like it actually it's very helpful being able to get those laps in the track where other guys really can't, especially today where you really don't have practice. So I think going to places like uh, Coda and all the new tracks we're going to, I think it'll help out being able to run them multiple series if I do run a multiple series of those places I think right now I'm primarily just running Mike's car uh trying to focus on that deal and get that as good as I can but I know like for example at Daytona road course when I filled in for JJ there in about the middle of the race I felt like I had a much better handle on the track than a lot of the other guys because I ran the whole Xfinity race the day before so that's uh there's a lot of there's a, there's a lot of advantages that come with racing in a lot of series and then at the same time, there's some disadvantages because, you know, you're wore out from the day before. Would you say that going to some of these new tracks that we're going to, that, that that gives you maybe a little bit of an upper hand that you wouldn't typically because there's no notebook for anybody? Yeah, yeah. I I'm very excited about going to these new places. I think that, like you said, those other guys, they haven't been there yet. So we're not on the same playing field, but we're a lot closer. So, um, you know, a lot of all those guys have the sim data and all that stuff, but at the same time, uh, nothing can replace on-track time. So uh, where those guys will have their sim stuff, they will be able to have the, you know, 20 races in the book they had before that they can go back to that place and really know where they need to be. What place are you looking forward to the most, I, I guess, is a good question. You know, moving forward, of the new places, would you say Coda's on top of the list or because you mentioned that? Or where are you looking forward? Um, Coda's definitely up there just because it's – I've, it's right by where I grew up. So it's like 30 minutes from the house I grew up in, which is really neat. Uh, I think it'll be really cool to see NASCAR at that type of facility. I mean, that is probably the one of the nicest facilities in America for uh, racing. So I think that'll be really neat to see. I'm excited about Nashville Super Speedway. I know some people aren't, some people are. Uh, I'm just happy to see a new oval on the, uh, on the schedule. So I really, I like, I, I just like seeing the new places. I think uh, going to the same places every year can get pretty stale pretty quick. And uh, I think we should change it every year. I think we should have five new tracks every year. You know, the whatever tracks did the worst the previous year, cut them out, throw five new ones in and see what happens.
uh, some guys from the Northeast. I don't know if that's a good thing for us on our end, but, <laughs> um, you know, Loudon is what it is. But uh, so you, you said last year you worked for Nice and you worked for Rick Ware. How, how would your week shape out trying to balance? Like, would you balance both of those? Would you go? You no, know, I, uh, I, I worked for Rick early on in the year uh, because the year before I did the same thing. I worked over there and I got a lot of driving opportunities. And it got to the point where Rick had a lot of guys, you know, coming in with sponsorship and I just wasn't getting those opportunities like I was before. And I had a little bit of a relationship with Nice. Um, Al being from Texas, he kind of knew me that way. And uh, I ran a couple races for him in 2019. Uh, so they kind of knew me and they kind of, you know, just thought I was a pretty good driver. So they, uh, I talked to them a little bit. I filled in for Natalie there at Pocono and they had some more openings coming up. And I was like, well, I, I got to go where the opportunity is. So I left working over at Rick's and went to Nice and worked over there. I got uh, four or five starts there at the end of the year. So, um, and kind of built that relationship a little bit more. Hopefully we can run, you know, even more than that this year with them. So, yeah, I mean, just like, I mean, like I said, uh, not really having to balance that. I would still work with Rick on the cup side on Sundays. I'd go road crew and stuff. That's actually how I got the opportunity to fill in for JJ just because I was there and I had my stuff with me. So um, it's always good. I feel like it's a lot, it's, it's harder. You got to work a little bit harder. You got to be at the racetrack more. Uh, being in that position to, you know, go and help on Sundays, but it also puts you in a good position. If someone, you know, has to get out, you're the guy there with your suit and you're ready to jump in. For sure, man. So, uh, I mean, it, it sounds like obviously it's not, uh, I mean, on, on your end of things, it's not a, a super high dollar budget by any means. You're, you're very much the guy that, you know, you show up with the your suit and helmet and, you know, just hope something happens. I, I respect the hell out of that for sure. So um, is that, is that something that would you say is maybe uh, a little frustrating at times where, you know, you're, you, you've made it to where you need to be. You're there on a Sunday where, you know, there's, you know, thousands of people across the country that want to do it. And there's only 40 that get to do it every Sunday. But would you say that maybe sometimes it's a little frustrating that you're not with the, the Hendricks and the Rouches and the, the Gibbs of the world, or do you, do you like doing, um, do you like doing the grind? Do you like being the dirty man? I mean, I would definitely like to be going out and have an opportunity to win races every week. I mean, who wouldn't? But uh, I can appreciate where uh, where I've come from and where I've gotten to at this point. And uh, it just gives me something to – a goal to try to go get. So – and it definitely sometimes – I mean, there's times, you know, I'm out there at the racetrack and Xfinity Cup, truck, whatever, that, you know, I raced with these other kids when they were young too and I outran them majority of the time. And it's just things don't – things don't shake out uh, – the way theirs did. So I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but I definitely can uh, get allowed. a little angry. That's what this was so. about. You're allowed. <laughs> no. Uh, so it, I think it's a good deal. So what is it, what is it that you say that you would bring to the table that maybe some of these other kids that you, you, like you said, you raced against them and you know, you beat them in the past, but now you're in a little bit different circumstance. What is it that you bring to the table that maybe they, they're not able to, or, or that you think puts you, you know, you know, an edge on them. I mean, I think a lot of it's just, uh, I don't know what really exactly, but I, I can say work ethic. I mean, I, I have to, you know, work my ass off every week in the shop and get my own stuff ready. And uh, in that aspect too, I got to make sure I don't tear it up and I got to run it as hard as I can and not tear it up. Cause if I do, I got to fix it in half the time. Uh, you know, we can't afford to, if we got to put a front clip on a car, I might not get another set of tires the next week. So uh, I think that is definitely something that, uh, I've kind of prided myself on. I feel like it's helped me get other rides and being able to drive hard and race competitively, but not, 
tear things up where a lot of kids, you know, they're checkers or wreckers. So, which I can respect that. I mean, they're going for it and they have the opportunity to do so, but at the same time, you kind of got to try to be smart. I think that's what's so respectable about seeing you, like when you go out there in a truck race and get a top 15, top 10, something like that, is that it really like, and a lot of the other kids, the high budget teams in the truck series, they can just go out there and stuff it in the fence and it doesn't matter. It's not, it's not coming out of their paycheck. It's not, you know, it's, it's not something that they have to worry about at all. They'll just show up the next week with a suit. Whereas you have to go back to the shop and, you know, work on it and grind all week, which is something that I don't think that you see a lot in the series, any of the series at this point, um, which is, so it's cool to see that you get, you know, you get those opportunities and just knowing that you're out on the racetrack with a piece of equipment that you would have to fix, obviously, if you were to go out there and wreck it. So um, yeah, we, we enjoy watching you throughout the weekend. It's something you've ever since you liked that tweet, the, the, <laughs> the who the hell is Bailey Curry or whatever. We've, we've been big Bailey Curry fans. So we've, we've heard a little bit about the, the background and racing and uh, one thing that I can respect the hell out of is that I followed you on Twitter ever since you liked that tweet. And I saw that, uh, that you, uh, you also, I thought maybe I was the only one that had a tech deck in my truck that, that stopped <laughs> lights and tech deck around. So what, what is Bailey Curry like outside of the racetrack? You like, you like just having fun or is there no time? Oh for- yeah. Uh, I, I like that as much fun as I can uh, and not get in trouble. Um, you know, I, I went to Texas state, which I guess you could clarify as a party school. So I, I like that as much fun as I can. I'll just say that, uh, you know, you can't do much right now with the way COVID and everything is, but I, I do as much as I can. I like, you know, going, hanging out with friends, uh, right now I get to go snowboarding here a little bit. So, uh, get to do that a lot. I like to jump on the Xbox, play a little rocket league every once in a while. And I guess I'm just like every other 24 year old, I guess, but I just drive in circles too. <laughs> it's funny that you say that because like I, I mentioned we've been stuck in the house here the last few days uh, COVID uh, allegedly or whatever and uh, we, we've been introduced to Discord and uh, some yeah. of those on Discord love that the uh, that the Rocket League deal and I, I'm like it's like soccer with an RC car so uh, just it just goes to show you that you're just another bro just like the rest of us you know we love going in circles you know you, you obviously work your ass off so um you know, one, one of the, the bigger questions here is that, you know, it's, it's, it's racing. Yeah. You know, I like to ask this question a lot to a lot of people is that it, it is racing. You know, people love to go fast. Some people love to be side by side. Some people just love the atmosphere, but, but what is it that, you know, puts it into your mentality? You know, I have to work this hard so I can keep going to the racetrack. What keeps, keeps you coming back to the track, man? What is it that draws you to auto racing in general? Uh, I really think it just, I mean, you know, you might not, see it or or think it you know whenever we go out and run 12 that's a big success for us and if I can just keep bettering myself and keep moving myself up the ladder I mean that's really what keeps me going uh you know when we you know I guess we finished 12th at Texas and finished 14th at Phoenix and you know that for our little team was is huge for us and we're racing with uh you know Brett Moffitt and Brandon Brown and Brandon Brown made the playoffs so uh, being able to race with those guys and just keep trying to move up the ladder uh, with Mike Harmon racing and that team and, you know, as myself too, just trying to get to that next step uh, to where, you know, maybe one day I will drive for Hendrick or Gibbs or something like that. And I think it's people like, you know, Ross Chastain and Matt DiBenedetto that kind of keep that hope alive because they did the same thing. I mean, you know, Ross did this stuff for 10 years and he finally got, he finally got through and finally got into a really good deal. So, uh, I think if you just keep grinding and if you feel like you can do it and you keep working hard, it can finally happen. 
So, so what is, is that the goal? Is that, is that you want to, you want to keep doing it? You want to be one of those top tier guys? You want to get noticed? You want to have that phone call? Is that what you're, is that what you're aiming for? Or are you trying to help, you know, better the, better the performance of the Mike Harmons of the world? What, well, what, I think that, you know, they kind of go hand in hand. You got to do, you got to, you know, you got to be able to better those small teams, which I do enjoy doing. I like, you know, building it up and getting that to that next level, but it only, it really will only get so far at certain points. I think in the Xfinity series, there's a lot of opportunity to get to that next level and kind of build yourself up a little bit more and more. But as far as like, you know, cup stuff and things like that, and even in the trucks, man, it's, it's so hard with, with the, just the guy, the technology and the budgets those guys have, man, it's, it's insane. And, and it's the same thing in the Xfinity series. You really only get to so far, but I feel like there's so many, mid pack cars you can finally you can get up the top 10 you can get up and have those uh flashes in the pan but uh yeah i think you got to have the building up of the small teams in order to try to uh give yourself a chance to get in you know a top tier ride how has the coronavirus the whole deal where you guys are just going to be you know racing and there's not there's not four days of practice how has that really affected your your weekly schedule where like if you're just running the xfinity race say do you just show up to the racetrack on a saturday or do you are you there earlier on friday or like where where you maybe don't just show up with a helmet and go and jump in the car are you there to like work on the car prior i mean yeah like especially last year when i was working with nice during the week i when i wasn't driving i would go work with them during the week, go on Friday, road crew a truck, stay in a hotel, get up the next day, go race the Xfinity race, and then the next day go road crew with Rick and just uh, grind it out all weekend. So really not much really changed for me as far as how many days I was gone from home, but uh, definitely not being able to practice and things like that kind of sucked. I, I don't really – I know I liked it at first because it was really easy and – you know, the more I've thought about it, it just doesn't doesn't feel right. Like, you know, you, you go to a NASCAR weekend, you're supposed to be there for three days, and you got you got three days to figure stuff out. You got, you know, three days of practice. You can practice one day, go home, sleep on it, come back the next day. Uh, I, I even like, uh, you know, how qualifying for Cup was, you know, you go practice one day, show up the next day, do nothing all day, go make one lap, you got to put it down on that one lap. You got to make sure you hit that one lap just right, right out the gate. And I always thought that was very interesting and uh, really fun to try to push yourself, but not overstep that line when you got one chance to do it. So uh, I'm, I'm really hoping that, you know, it all comes back. Uh, maybe not as much practice because it kind of gets redundant sometimes, but, uh, you know, maybe an hour-long practice qualifying and line them up and race uh, I think would be a pretty good formula. Would you say that the the one so obviously COVID has presented a situation where we have a lot of one day shows now and um, it seems like they're going to kind of adopt that moving forward. Would you say that being on again, I, I hate to keep kind of pounding the point of being on the small teams, but that's that's part of why we want to talk to you. It's, it's a whole different it's a different day at the racetrack being being a Bailey Curry. And that's that's the story that we want. So is it would you say that these one day shows with very limited practice, has that been either has it been more of a hindrance on you where you can't change stuff as much or has it helped you because you have the Kyle Bushes who can't you know go out and change and try you know five six seven different things you know because if you're if you're on that time crunch you don't have the ability 
to just try things like the Gibbs and the Hendricks of the world do where they can go out and waste the practice if they, if they see fit. Yeah. Um, I think uh, it depends on if we hit, I mean, sometimes if we hit the setup close or if we can get close to good, I think it can help us. Cause I feel like I'm pretty good at adapting to uh, my race car and the racetrack. But if we miss it completely, <laughs> then it sucks because, you know, if you, if your camber's wrong, like I think at Darlington, I don't know what we did, but we just missed the camber in the Xfinity car and we were cording the outside of the right front and, uh, which we were junk. And if we had one practice, we could have gone out and got one tire sheet and, uh, seen what our camber was doing. We could have fixed that and that would have made our race way better. But, uh, I think it, like I said, it, it helps and it hurts. It just depends on, how good we go to the racetrack, you know, if we go, like I said, if we go average to good, I think it helps us. But if we miss it, it's terrible <laughs> because there's nothing you can do about it in the race to fix certain things. Do you think that being one of those guys that works back at the shop and, and then going out on the racetrack with, with uh, you know, around people that don't just, they, they don't, they're not back at the shop wrenching throughout the week. Do you think that that actually gives you some sort of an advantage potentially going into these races where you can kind of diagnose the car a little bit better because you, you actually work on it throughout the week? Um, I'd like to think so. I mean, working on the cars is something I've done since I was 10 years old in Bandoleros. I can remember getting home from school, fifth, sixth grade, whatever, going down to the shop and working on my race cars. Just, I've always liked doing it. I've always enjoyed it. And I do think it helps because I can understand the mechanics and, you know, especially as I've gone on in my racing career, I feel like I can, you know, pinpoint certain things because I've worked on them for so long and I've driven them for so long too. What would you say your favorite aspect is? Because, you know, a lot of people like the, the nuts and bolts, the suspension part of it. You know, other guys like massage and body panels. You know, uh, you know, do you like the, the ins and outs of like weight placement? You know, what, what is it that what is it that kind of draws you to it? Or are you just the, an all around kind of guy? Um, I really feel like in the I've always liked the aero stuff. And I feel like, you know, the stuff in NASCAR, you're going so fast at these places that aero is pretty much your main factor. And uh, seeing how even like suspension pieces play into the aero stuff and make sure the way your the car is sitting on the racetrack you know the platform of the car how your car lands um i think that's really neat I, i've always thought the aero stuff was cool i can remember when i was a kid trying to do stuff on my legends and bandolero cars try to make more downforce so i've always thought that was neat and uh just because it's something you can't see it but you know it's there and you can definitely feel it when you're on the racetrack i like that answer that was good uh so a little bit ago, you touched on, uh, you actually went to college, right? So I feel like uh, in the racing community and, and drivers specifically, I feel like some of the original people that did that or, or made that uh, well known as a part of their career, you know, you have the Ryan Newmans who are the, the engineers of the groups and things like that. So what is it that you went to college for, man? What, what made you, what made you go do that? Uh, uh, mechanical engineering. Uh, I did mechanical engineering. Uh, really, I started it because I, I wanted to be an engineer at NASCAR. I didn't really see myself getting to the top level ever. Just because the way, you know, financial stuff comes into play, I, I didn't have that at all. And I didn't, I didn't think you could even try to get there without that. And uh, so I, I went to school, wanted to be a mechanical engineer and, you know, work in NASCAR and just be around it because I loved racing. So I started doing that. And then when I really got into racing, I've kind of, I've slowed that down. Uh, I still go, but it's just not on a full-time basis. I, I would like to finish and get that degree, but really I feel like my momentum has really raised in the NASCAR driving aspect of it. So I've been kind of more focusing on that and trying to focus on 
marketing and, you know, getting sponsorship and, you know, taking cars to the racetrack. What specifically was option number two? If you couldn't, if you couldn't make the driving thing work, was it, you know, engineer on a car? Specifically? Yeah. Yeah, probably. Uh, I probably would have done engineering on a car or, you know, I really at a certain point, I mean, being a road crew guy on a NASCAR team is tough. It's draining. I, I was almost to the point where I was like, well, if I don't do that, I'd rather just get an engineering job somewhere and go race late models. I mean, I know I can go and win in late models. So if I could, you know, make enough money to go and do that, that's what I wanted to do. Where, where, maybe you already touched on this, but where was your first cup start? And was that kind of a surreal moment for you? Did, did you, did you, you know, soak it all in, stand there and just kind of be like, oh, I made it. Or did it kind of just make you want to grind harder to be able to be there weekly? Um, it was a Phoenix spring Phoenix 2019 was my first cup start. Um, I mean, yeah, kind of, I mean, during practice and everything, it felt pretty normal. Just like I was running an Xfinity or truck race and you don't really notice the difference until you're in driver intros and the, just the whole show of it is so much bigger. And naturally when I felt like, man, this is pretty big deal. You know, I'm running a NASCAR cup race right now. Uh, and that, you know, I kind of got pumped up on that, but at the same time, it's like, well, I'm going to go the next day. I finished the race. I was like, well, how, what do I got to do to run better? And then after that, it's like, well, what do I got to go do to win one of these races? So you're, I feel like the racer mentality is always trying to just get more and do better. It's, it's interesting. So we actually recorded with Andy Sice yesterday, last night, and um, he, he had a one-off deal at Loudon, and it was kind of like it was, you know, his dream dream came true, basically. And it's just cool to hear both of you guys say that you made your cup starts, your first cup starts in 2019 and not 2020, because you guys were actually able to experience the full thing. Whereas I feel like maybe if you were to start this year in 2020, it wouldn't have been even close to the same. You made some, did you make some cup starts this year? Uh, I did. I did one at Bristol. And it was, it was one of the ones that was just line them up and race. Yeah. And it, it wasn't the same, man. There, there's no one there. Uh, it felt just like running an Xfinity race. Just the names were different and there was a few more cars. So I, I'm very thankful that I got to, if we, if we just never go back to doing that, uh, <laughs> I'm very thankful that I was able to get my first cup start in 2019 experience the whole show of it. So, uh, that on a weekend where you are racing everything, you know, you, you've, you've been, you know, the kind of known or the, one of the guys that do whatever's available that weekend, you're running it trucks, Xfinity and cup. What are some of the, the tougher challenges or what are some of the things that you would uh, uh, note that, you know, biggest difference between, all right, you're going to hop in a truck. All right. Now we're in an Xfinity car. All right. Now we're in a cup car, especially throughout a whole weekend. You know, what are some of the biggest things that you have to adapt to to just kind of like, sit in the scene and be like, okay, shit, which car am I in? Yeah, I mean, it sounds kind of goofy, but the biggest thing that screws me up is when I get in a truck and they only turn 7,600 RPMs and I'm on a restart and I'm banging the chip every time I go to shift because <laughs> in the Cup and Xfinity cars, you shift at 8,800. So uh, I, I will literally do that, I think, every single start or every time I get in the truck for the first time, I'm going to hit the limiter going second, first, second, second to third, and third to fourth just because – I'm used to shifting at 8,800 RPMs in the other cars. And then other than that, man, really, the truck at Xfinity, they drive so close to the same now, especially at mile and a half. Uh, you pretty much hold them wide open. And the truck's a little bit less. Uh, the cup cars that have so much downforce, and they don't hardly have any power. So you hold them wide open. The only time you ever got to lift is when you're behind someone. Uh, you definitely got to be more on your toes when you're in the Xfinity car. There's way less downforce. It's way easier to get loose underneath somebody and things like that. 
So, I mean, that's really the only things. I said the biggest thing, though, is shifting at the right time in the truck. <laughs> what, are, what are some of your favorite tracks and why? Um, uh, I like them. I like every single racetrack that wears the tires out a lot. So Richmond, Darlington, Homestead. And then, you know, I love to, I love going to Texas Motor Speedway. I grew up racing on the front straightaway there and being able to go back there and race on the big track in a NASCAR series is always really special to me. All my family gets to come. A lot of my friends and my fraternity brothers from Texas state come up. Uh, it's always a really fun weekend. And then, you know, you got to love the places like Darlington and Bristol just because that's they're Darlington and Bristol. You grow up playing sports or anything? You just, were you strictly racing? Uh, I pretty much, I played soccer when I was really little and started racing and couldn't do that all the time. I got to high school and they actually played soccer on like Tuesdays. So I did that for a little bit. I kind of sucked because I took so much time off. Uh, and I was like, well, I'm just going to go back racing again. So I, I pretty much all, always racing uh, since I was about seven, yeah, seven years old. So. So it's always been racing. It's always been, it's always been the life that you wanted. So are, are you in, are you in Texas now? Are you in North Carolina? Where are you? I live in Mooresville, North Carolina. All right. Well, I think we're going to be down there here. I don't, again, this show is probably going to post uh, for, for 90, 99 or whatever, but you know, hopefully we'll uh, maybe get to touch base with you when we're down there in a couple weeks and uh, yeah. you know, see what we can do and you know, have a good time. Maybe, maybe have a, a beverage or two and yeah, I'm all about it. And, and see what we can do. Are you, so. are you, a, are you a more of a beer drinker? We, we've recently switched to Trulies. Just <laughs> we're not only we're watching our figure, but also we had Mamba Smith on and, and he's a big Truly guy. So, uh, I don't know. I, the Trulies definitely, uh, keep the belly off of you a little bit. I've been, I've been noticing that I've been a little bit on the seltzers, but I've actually recently, uh, gotten a partnership with Island Coastal Lager. So they're a little, or a beer company out of South Carolina down here in the Southeast, uh, pretty good stuff. So, been drinking that quite a bit, but you know, if I'm going out, I'm usually drinking liquor or something just because that's the right. You go, you're going out. If you're going out, you, you got to go out. You got to do the. You got to do the damn thing. Your drink of choice, man. You know, if, if we're at a if we're at a bar, we're at a party. What's Bailey Curry? What's that? What's in your soul? Uh, man, I I used to be big whiskey and Sprite guy. Mm. Uh, I know a lot of people don't like to mix those two, but to me, it's always been good. Crown and Sprite specifically, but lately, man, I've been on the the tequila and water with lime it's uh yeah i see your face it's, it's not the most uh it doesn't sound good but man i swear once the ice melts a little bit and you can squeeze like three limes in there they, they go down like regular water yikes man i don't know about all that tequila literally just makes my clothes fall off like the song goes or oh yeah it, that's, that's, that's what makes it fun <laughs> he's, he's talking about going out and doing it right yeah, yeah 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 apparently man so uh, you know, like I said, we're, we're going to have to hit up some places when we're down there, and, you know, have a time or two. Yeah, for sure. We'll keep the clothes on. We'll, we'll stick to the truth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, man. So do you have anything else, Bradley? Do you have any questions for us? I mean, we're from Maine. You're from Texas. You're, we're all going to North Carolina here. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. You know, so what are you, what are y'all coming down for us to hang out? Well, we were originally supposed to yeah. go for the, for the Dillon street stock race. Cause Okay. Uh, you know, we're so bad for short track racing. We, we spend a lot of money in, in flights and tickets and stuff to support all the tracks all over the country here. We're going to come down for the, the, uh, the Dillon short track race, but we both allegedly have COVID. So we're going to try and be half-ass responsible and, and sit in the house for entirely too long already. Uh, yeah. so we pushed our trip back from the 7th to the 11th to the 21st to the 25th. So 
Uh, apparently Millbridge is open or something. We'll go see some NASCARs and uh, oh, yeah. maybe Millbridge is a good time. It's a yeah. you'd be surprised that they put on damn good racing for less than a fifth mile. Yeah, I'm, I'm into it. So what what are some of the other things that we're gonna have to do when we're down there? Uh, go to Millbridge. Probably have to go to uh, Kill to Buffalo, the bar below my apartment. Uh, hell, I don't know. I'm sure there's some other short track racing going on. I'm trying to think. I'm drawing a blank. I really don't know. That sounds. I was like- going to ask y'all though. Uh, what are? Uh, I've been to a few tracks up there. Y'all ever venture over to Waterford Speed Bowl or Shemong Speedrome or any really? of those places? Yeah, we're we're big. Uh, so we're from Scarborough, Maine, or we're in Scarborough, Maine. So I'm a big Beechridge guy. We go to Oxford all the time. You know, especially for the Oxford 250 big late model race. Uh, we, we've been to Waterford this past year, Riverhead, Stafford, Thompson, all the places around here. So, you know, we're, we're all about promoting all over the place. And, you know, maybe if there's a place down there that we've never heard of or whatever, we'll just yeah. we'll bebop over there and grab a ticket or two. No, yeah, it's it's crazy how many racetracks there are down here. I got, growing up in Texas, man, there's one asphalt track now and dirt tracks everywhere. And, uh, which I like dirt tracks, but I'm all, I grew up on asphalt. But, man, they're everywhere down here, so I'm sure there'll be something going on. What would you say, you know, going from Texas to North Carolina, obviously inherently are two very different places to begin with, but, you know, Mooresville specifically, you're, you're, you're in NASCAR Central. That's, mm-hmm. that's the place to be if you're, if you're trying to do it. So what, what would you say the biggest culture shock was of going from, you know, Texas homegrown to North Carolina to go and live and do what you're trying to do, man? Uh. I don't know. I mean, I've always lived racing, so I feel like it's not that much different. I think, uh, you know, you see a lot more numbers on the back of trucks and things like that up here uh, from short track stuff, which is cool. I think the biggest, I don't know if you call it culture shock, but definitely shock for a Texan is how cold it gets up here. (laughs) Uh, I went back home for Christmas and I was all bundled up and I got home and it was 70 degrees outside and I was sweating. So uh, that's definitely the biggest difference for me up here. Yeah, so one of, one of the things that we've noticed about, well, we've actually been talking to people that have gone usually from the north to the south is that when they get to North Carolina, they, they realize that racing is more of the business and not as much of the fun and the, the fun that you had back home. Have you, have you noticed any of that or is it? Yeah, I've noticed that. I mean, I grew up racing and I'd come out here all the time uh, when I was like, you know, 11, 12, 13. So I could already, I saw that a lot, you know, racing the, the summer shootout and the Legends cars and how, you know, you had, you know, the whatever motorsports does this kid's car and these other people's cars and these guys do this car. And I feel like there's a lot of business just in the racing industry uh, as a whole that I've noticed out here because it feels like every industrial park you go into, there's six race shops or a shop that's building parts for a race team or something like that. It's a it's pretty wild to see. And it's not even just in NASCAR. You see it for drag racing, uh, dirt racing, everything. Um, you know, just the, the Mooresville drag park is literally a mile around thing and it's all race shops. So they're all building parts for race cars. And there's a lot of places out here like that. Yeah. So, uh, I, I think a good way to close this out, man, you've been terrific. Thank you for everything that you've you know given us the time and you know, the, the, the full Bailey Curry story or what we can in the, the time that we have here. So good way to end this out, man. You know, what's the, what's the five-year plan? What's the, you know, what are the goals before you're 30? What is it that you want to do? What do you want the Bailey Curry story to be at the end of all of this, man? Uh, 
I mean, I don't know, man. I'd, I'd like to go out and run well this year. And, you know, it, they're really – the goal is just everything. I mean, if I can go out and win a race this year, it will be badass. Uh, it's, I don't know. I want to do as much as I can in NASCAR while I'm in NASCAR and hopefully get to that next level. When that will be, uh, I don't know. I'm just going to keep grinding doing my thing and uh, trying to impress as many people as I can until I am at that level. Well, soak it in, man, and, and we'll uh, be down there in a couple of weeks, and hopefully we'll we'll see at the the bar or whatever you just said is under your apartment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. For whatever, good. for whatever it's worth, man, you've impressed a couple idiots that live in Maine that that host a pretty mediocre podcast here. So we appreciate you coming on. We appreciate all that you do for the for the world of racing. Keep doing it. Keep grinding it out. We we want to be a you know, and ride your coattails all the way to the top and. You know, for, for anybody that else or anybody else that wants to watch and be a part of it, just go to at Bailey Curry and, you know, watch the show, guys. It's it's worth your time for sure. We've been on it for about it, probably about a year now or so. And, you know, we're glad we finally made this all happen. So, you know, hopefully uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks, pal. Sounds good, man. Uh, don't bring that COVID down here. No, 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 no. None of that. No. <laughs> uh, after three weeks, it should be out of our system. Yeah. All right. All right good deal. You have a good night, man. And we'll, uh, we'll see you good, hopefully man. in a couple weeks. Sounds good. See y'all. Race car, race car, here we go, race car.